Welcome to the Urban Farmette, where two clueless suburbanites buy a farm, move across country, and learn along the way. I'm Rachel. And I'm Sean. Welcome to episode 10. Is that a milestone? I don't know. It's double digits. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All I know is that when our daughter turned 10, I felt old. I so know. does this count? No, no not really. not at all. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm not episode old. episode 10. I'm not old. Hooray. No, we're old. Oh, no. Okay. Nothing makes you feel old like farming. Good segue. Yeah, it's true. Wow. I ache in parts that I didn't know could ache. I have a, I have a muscle in the middle of my back that I don't think woke up until Saturday. Really? Hello, muscle. Well, you did a lot of work yesterday. I you did, were but there for hours. I don't know if that muscle needed to show up, but it showed up like, oh, so this is what you're doing. Yeah. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. Yep. There it is. World. And it's sore. Mm-hmm. And he's sad and wants to go back to hibernating for 40 years. I think it's funny that I remember being 30 and feeling like... You know when you hear 20, people who are turning 25 and they're talking about how old they are? And I remember thinking, oh, uh, I'm turning 28, I'm getting old. Then you turn 30. Yeah. And then you turn 30 and you're thinking, oh, I'm feeling old. And I wish that I had the energy so and the what stamina are we, of 30. What are we embarking on here? Because we're not in the 40 range yet, but. You are. You're turning 40 in three weeks. I'm not in the 40 range yet. Yeah. You are. But the, am I going to learn something in my 40s that I would, I would, I'm going to sit there in my 50s and go, oh, yeah. Of course silly, you are. Silly goose. The same as you do every decade. Yes. I guess. I learned tons in my 20s, tons in my 30s, and I'm, I'm sure once to I get to my 40s, ahead. I'll think the same. I'm trying to stay as far ahead as possible because <laughs> this is rough. Yeah. We're getting old and nothing accentuates your body aging, like working outside with your hands and your whole body all day. So let's talk about something new. All right. Let's talk about our farm first this week. It is uh, the first week of August and Oof. it is, we have gone through what I've heard from fellow Virginians. This is the wettest summer that they've had in seven years. So it has been seven raining. Years. It's been raining all the it's time. It's a little too much rain here. for me. Oh, really? No, I love the rain. It's more rain than we've gotten in California in the past decade. Yeah. Um, in like in, in, in about the past a, two uh, weeks. Yeah. But it, and it's nice when you're Inside cutting, enjoying. cutting and digging, and well, it, yeah. it, it makes the soil very soft. Mm-hmm. But the grass is growing so fast. So I you could like mow, the rain. I could literally the adverse mow. effects of the rain is what gets you because the grass is growing so fast and it we have a lot allow, of it. Well, and it doesn't allow you the time outside that you would like. No, uh, on projects. a lot of the a lot of the projects that I would do don't necessarily entail me mowing. I mow. I have to mow the grass not because I love a beautiful lawn, right? And I want to have this country it's not club. A lawn when you have a farm, no, show. it's not. It's not. That's a good point. It's controlling the land and that's why i mow is to control the land and i feel like i'm mowing every am i mowing every day the gas says the gas says i'm mowing every day you have to you either mow a little bit every day or every night or you mow for five hours on the weekend 
But even if you did five hours on the weekend, you're still going to have to upkeep some things, weed whack some things, and take care of... I mean, it's a lot of land. You got to do it. I was walking across the grass from the house to the chicken coop this morning and going, where did this grass come from? You just... I just cut it. (laughs) I just cut it. It does make for beautiful gardens. Oh, it's beautiful. And beautiful uh, flower beds and beautiful veggies. And no one around here seems to enjoy it as much as we did. And we're at that point where like... "Hmm." You mean the rain? The rain. Oh, or the it. the growth post rain. Yeah. It's we're looking at it going, Oh it's beautiful. <laughs> I love and they're it. looking at it going, Oh I want the rain to stop. I want the rain to stop. I can't I can't handle the growth. Yeah. Um probably a good problem if you're looking to farm. Well, not all farming though. The severe yeah, good point. The severe rain has really messed up some of the crops. Uh, especially some of the tomato plants for lots of the farmers in the area. I was yeah, reading anything in the sitting Loudon in the ground. Anything newspaper. sitting in the ground is going to rot. Lots of stuff has, and it's been hard for some farmers in this area because it is a. It's been way more rain than they're used to. So enjoyable for those of us who like to play in the rain, walk in the rain, do everything in the rain, and haven't done rain. anything yet with the land. Right, but for for actual farmers. It's been a it's been a problem. They've had to kind of so adjust is this to. not probably the perfect time to move here? It's perfect for us. Yeah, I mean, if we were going to moving everyone. in the summer to I, to I, the south is hard, but it's been. Beautiful. But people want to learn from us and 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 the the issues that we come across and maybe some of the the uh, hard work we have to like yeah. everything just seems to be ideal for those starting something yeah for sure it's been a mild the ideal starting condition yeah it's been a mild summer if you're going to move to the south in the summer definitely i mean it's definitely still been warm like today uh at five o'clock when we were going to go to the local outdoor brewery it on our weather app said 91 feels like 101 degrees it was definitely warm and humid today and it will you definitely did have that nice little glow about you. <laughs> That's what you want to call it. It's a glow. It was definitely a glow. Angelic. Yes. Oh, thanks, Sean. You're welcome. Uh, but you know, it, and it's going to get more hot and humid in August. I'm certain. Tomorrow. But it's definitely been a wet summer, so we've been able to enjoy that part of it, which we certainly. I'm do. kind of curious. If if we moved in say in April, yeah, we probably would have had some stuff in the ground by now. Just yeah. knowing us, yeah, and I think taking full advantage of the weather that we're receiving right mm-hmm. now. It's a giant greenhouse right here. Right. I mean, giant. Yes. Um, it would have been it, it would have been nice. Yeah. But um, I'm really happy that we came in at a time where it's abnormal. Yeah. And it's allowing us, and if that's God's timing for us, yeah. hooray. Yeah. Um, the projects that we've undertook so far have benefited from the weather. Yeah, definitely. I mean, stuff's grown so fast, it's just gnarly. It's so great. So our firsts this week, we dug beds for the gardens outside. We Sort of. Uh, sort of. We, well, we plotted, we, out, we plotted out our plan. Farm. Mm-hmm. 
for and by farm we mean it's not farming in the in the giant sense of farming but it's a it's the sustainable homesteading farming yeah we've started the we plotted them out we we staked out where they're going to go right the beds Mm -hmm. and um honestly i i think we're ahead of schedule in the sense of of the planning side of it because my goal last week was to just mark them out mm-hmm. and we actually dug two yeah. beds and so what kind of beds are we doing so we're we're looking at doing um three feet by 10 feet beds mm-hmm. a- and it it sounds big if if we were to do this in our backyard in long beach it would occupy a gigantic space yeah uh here <laughs> i look at we them from the kitchen six window of them and they they're, were the teeniest thing they're so seen. small yeah it takes up no land it's crazy, and it makes you feel a bit inadequate mm-hmm. because. Well, when you think about actual farms, yeah, and how much we they think have, exactly, yeah. and the machinery that goes behind it and all that stuff. It, it's it's good, but but we're 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 looking at doing this homesteading project without any real heavy machinery. Um, I feel that we have to do a lot of it by hand, and there's a reason behind that because we do live on a land that has a lot of of river rock so it's it's virginia clay underneath which is so it's is soil that's um fertile if taken care of properly but we also have a lot of rock beneath it so it's i felt the best way to to do the beds were to do it by hand and in a certain specific old school very very old school method of of digging Mm-hmm. And uh, and what's it called? And where did you learn about it? So I learned it. I learned from a book called uh, "How to Grow More Vegetables," and John Javons. I'm, I might be s- just destroying his last Javons. name. Javons. Um, but but this is a, it's it a very old school. Sure. It's a very old school book of yeah. how to prepare specific beds. And and the beds that I'm looking at preparing are it's the double dig method, and the double dig method is the way to prepare soil properly on the initial. Uh, foundation for where you're going to grow. Um, very labor intensive, uh, very much by hand. And I felt that that was the best method considering the soil we have and a lot of the river rock that's just beneath the soil. I mean, I I'm was digging and I was cursing. No. Not a lot of bad words. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. I was by myself. <laughs> I didn't have kids around. But... Um, l- it was every inch or so I was striking a, a rock. And I mean, we're talking rocks. It, it ranged, it ranged from size of a small pebbles, like handheld rocks. You would skip on a river to, they were bigger than softballs. Yeah. So it, you can't just fake this. You got to really dig in there and, and you can't use, machines because machines would hit that stuff and just shatter yeah so knowing knowing what we were going into and knowing that that was the land that we had uh it was going to be a very manual process and i'd have to do this a lot a lot of this by hand so we marked out six of them is that, is that what yeah, you said we only did we six. marked six three by ten beds yes yeah so we're looking at 180 square feet of land mm-hmm. on on acreages of it, it looks tiny it yeah. looks absolutely tiny. It looks tiny. Um, it took about three hours to mark and cut two of the beds. Yeah. But I'm I'm thinking 
the amount of effort put into those beds, it's going to reap huge benefits later on, much yeah. later on, because I'm getting these giant <laughs> softballs out of the ground. I mean, yeah. they're huge yeah. to where uh, the roots could actually, of these plants could actually just sink below and just go, right. go for it. Yeah, the soil over there is so fertile and it's beautiful, beautiful soil that's already there. And then once we mix in compost and this book that Sean's been reading is so informational about so many parts of gardening and um, and growing, not Including just fashion. Beds. What do you mean? Oh. I, I don't look like this guy in this drawing. Well, because it's from probably the 70s and the 60s and 70s when people... I feel like I should wear my suit when people, I'm out there. People, men, men would garden and just, you know... Uh, groom their lawns wearing button-down collared shirts and slacks. And belts. And belts. I like it. Sometimes when I'm sweating enough, I feel like I'm losing so much there. weight. Water <laughs> water weight, obviously. But my pants do fall down. There are belts so aren't. many. They're, they're needed. And there are, so, there are so few men left that still... I remember in our neighborhood in Long Beach, there was just a few older gentlemen that still would get out and mow their lawn and they would be suited up slacks and a nice, you know, collared shirt belt to mow the lawn. There's just a few, few left, but that book has been really helpful. And so it's, we have a a plan. We have six beds uh, mapped out, but we want to eventually our goal is to cover a certain, you know, plot of land we have with maybe about 40 of those beds yeah so that we can grow everything we want to grow right but we are just starting you know right it's going to take time right we want to eventually so have them, them yeah. all cut and done we would like to by spring time when we're gonna after the last frost when we're going to put in the seedlings that we've been growing in the yeah. greenhouse or and by greenhouse i mean a old renovated structure horse, that's out there that's a horse that's beat the heck but we're going to cover it with plastic and we're going to use it as a greenhouse <laughs> so, but the cool thing is is that so a lot of when you homestead a lot of things come without any structures and people have to think about where they're going to put structures and what structures are gonna put. we don't have that we have to kind of work with what we have right uh, that's why we're using a pig pen for a chicken coop right and we don't know what we're going to do with some of the other structures. Right. So there's benefits to having structures there. One, you don't have the guesswork of where I should put certain things. But we're kind of forced into those decisions, which is nice because it, it, it takes a lot of the guessing, the guesswork out of it. We kind of just have to work with what we have. And that's fine. I like that. It, it, it's allowing us uh, who don't know what we're doing. Well, you don't have the paralysis of making that decision. Yeah, we, don't, we just have to kind of refurbish what we're doing but we're we're allowed to look at structures and change them into what we think we could use it for and that's also just as daunting as building something brand new would i have built that there i don't know but right. it's there so we're gonna use and it. I need, i'm gonna use it right and so now i'm looking at it going well this was used to house two horses three horses i don't know, I don't know. It, it, there was there i don't know what it was for um but now I'm looking at it going, okay, well, it's got a tin, it's got a metal roof. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when I was digging the beds, I went to stand in the shade because I was overheating. And I want to tell you this, like out of breath and want to lay down. Uh, I went into this structure thinking 
this was shade, it would provide me relief. It was actually warmer than the outside because of the metal roof. And then I started looking around going, this may be perfect for a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. So instead of building a greenhouse or, or, or those structures where you can extend the growing period of your, your homestead, renovating it. Yeah. Staple gunning some plastic inside of it, using that heat from the, the, the metal roof to mm-hmm. insulate it um, and protecting it and mm-hmm. then blowing out some of the walls that are inside of it to create growing beds. Mm-hmm. It's a structure that's there and we'll see if that works for our purposes. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I do too. And, um, and instead of going, well, you know, questions that we may get are, well, why did you pick to put the beds there? We did, yeah. Well, we put them there, one, because the water runoff is great. Yeah. But two, also, there's a structure right there where we can actually... Keep things. Keep things. It's convenient, really. Start, start things and grow things. And it's just, it's all about, you know, evaluating your land yeah. and, and saying, well, this is what I have here and this is where the water is here and... This is what I can use. This is where... It's, it's very it's, utilitarian. Really. This is where it's going to be. Right. It's just, it's going to be here, period. Yeah. So we dug the beds or we mapped them out, dug a few. And then another firm first this week was that we uh, kind of located where we want to put, we want to have a little mini fruit orchard. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we kind of mapped out where we want to put fruit trees. So this in late fall and in early spring, we're going to plant our first fruit trees. So we're pretty excited about that. And that will, uh, we'll start that project. We're going to plant some fruit trees and we're hoping to plant, um, some raspberry vines. Um, so that was some other first we and kind the cool of part about, planned for that. The cool part about the trees are the idea that, um, so one of the big things with homesteading is is to learn about your land. And what we have seen is that the place where we're planning on planting the trees, there's this stream, natural sp- stream, spring, natural spring, spring. Yeah, it was a spring. Spring. Yeah. That runs off from this hill and it runs down the hill underneath the main road and then it, it kind of turns into like a what we would have considered a gutter. Um, a curb gutter right Mm -hmm. by the street that runs right underneath our driveway and down the street right on the property. Um, It's a natural spring of water that constantly flows that we don't have to water. So we can plant trees right there and they will get water constantly without us having to go down there and turn the hose on if it's, if it's dry or anything like that. So a, a big part of, of, doing what we did um, and not that we, we were kind of forced into taking our time, but a lot of what we did was in our taking our time was to understand how our land worked and saying, well, that would be a great place for trees because we'll never have to drag a hose 250 yards down there and soak it because right. it will be watered all mm-hmm. day, every yeah. day. And know your surroundings, understand what's going on there. And that's what we did. And and I'm so thankful that we weren't able to just jump into that. Yeah. And then because we weren't able to, we actually started, well, let's read about what we're doing. And just walk around and observe your land. Because we might have done something completely different. Right. You know, by just looking at it and being uneducated. 
and going in, you know, thinking in our minds, kind of plotting it out. Oh, this would look best here and ra- aesthetically pleasing rather than, hey, this is where it's going to work. This is where the, the greenhouse is. Of this is where yeah. we're going to have it because this yeah. is where it's at and it's right. going to be low cost or no cost kind of deal. So. Right. And, and around that greenhouse horse stable, also the water runs down there. The, and I noticed that because the grass grew yeah. three times as fast in this area. Right. Because it's soaking wet. Right. All we're, the time. That's basically. where we're digging the beds. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just fun. Yeah. And, and taking your time and, and now in a year from now we could sit there and go, this was the stupidest thing I don't we know. could have ever done it's because idea. it's too wet or it's yeah. too wet. But we took the time to see what and why and what we had and we built around it. Right. And from what we've read, you know, yeah. the best part about it is the most important part is research. Just learn yeah. as much as you can about homesteading right. and, and growing. Or, or what, it, what excites you? What is interesting to yes. you? You don't have to learn about all of it because we don't know everything about gardening, farming, or homesteading. We know about this, the we know about little things at a time that we're starting to learn about. Right. You know, uh, I thought about that this weekend. To me, another farm first for me, and as simple as it's going to sound to probably lots of people listening, and they've done it a thousand times, is I made my first batch of bone broth. Well. This people Which have looks done, amazing. but this is thing. And I made pickles. We talked about that in the last episode, but Which were delicious. The, people have been doing this for a long time. But for me, the idea of canning, pickling, homesteading, all of that seems so abstract and overwhelming. So in my personality, much like I'm sure lots of people's is if it's overwhelming and it seems like a large, um, idea or concept, then they won't tackle it at all. That's my personality. But what I'm learning here is you don't have to learn everything all at one time. You learn as you go and you learn little by little. You learn about one type of vegetable. You learn about one type of flower. You'll learn about, you know, two breeds of chickens and you'll learn about growing one type of tree. Right. And you learn as you go. You don't have to learn everything. You just learn what you need to learn at that time and then you move on and you learn about the next thing. And that's much more doable but for people like me, it seems hard because I want to learn all the things at once. And you just, you can't. And you're forced to learn about only a few things doing it the way we're doing it. Because you just have to learn about what you need to know at that time. And then you move on to the next thing. Yeah. And and that's great. You know, it's kind and, of and more out of necessity. And you and I want to be right. Yeah. We want to be right the first well, time. I want to, yeah. And that's... Like, we don't want to... We, and... and our personalities, we don't want to fail. Right. Well, but that here, this is curing that real quick. You will fail. The farm is curing. We'll my fail. Need to We're going to fail. Succeed. Yeah. <laughs> things. It's killing that real quick, which is good. Real good. Any fails that we have? I don't feel like there was a bunch of fails this week. Nothing too embarrassing. I mean, we, we attempted the chicken run. We talked about that the last episode. I know. I, I want to update the chicken run. All right. So, Guinea fowl can fly. Yeah. And they don't know. they can go away. They can. So we built the the run. We thought it was high enough. Uh, I look outside the guinea fowl. Actually, I was walking back from doing something outside and I'm like, I think I should check on the chickens. So I walk out there and I notice two of the fowl are not only outside of the run, but they're also on top of the fence 
on the outside of the run. They're looking they're into very the forest. Smart birds, they really are. Smart or no, they are. They're very smart. In fact, my friend Jenny trains guinea fowl, and her husband and her have been working with their fowl. I mean, she puts us to shame. You know what? It was very. I was very impressed with these two. They're very smart animals. So there was two of them that got out. So they figured. Yeah, I I don't know (laughs) if they're smart enough yet. They're kind of like. um, (laughs) I think we let them out a little too early, maybe. Well, they're kind of also. like rebellious teenagers at the same time. They are certainly doing their job. And, uh, oh no, they're doing great. They're doing great. So these two got out and they were standing on top of the fence bordering the, the giant pen Mm -hmm. and the forest. And they're just hanging out. I'm like, okay, that's probably not a good idea. None of them have seen outside of this giant pen that we have. And, and the forest is full of who knows what I'm, I'm assuming the worst predators ever, like the, abominable snowman a type bear. of thing just waiting to grab black them. bear um, <laughs> just waiting so I, I i walk out there to grab them um and and this would go into your friend's uh, uh idea that they're smart is that they they went out there and the girls freaked out and so they started running out there after them and of course when when the girls came out they the guinea these two guinea fowl got they scared and they, they jumped the fence yep so they're out in the forest and i'm tracking them down through um plants that have thorns and everything i'm walking around and they're just running from me but the most amazing thing is is i was trying to usher them back around to the front so the girls could corral them and put them back in the pen these guys instinctively found the biggest thickest piece pieces of grass out there and just stopped moving Mm -hmm. and i couldn't find them i mean i couldn't find them until like i'm pushing the grass back and i saw one with his feathers and he was he looked like just, he tucked into this, like a roly-poly, mm-hmm. tucked in this ball of, of feathers, and he wouldn't move until I touched his back, mm-hmm. and then he jumped up and, and sprinted <laughs> off. So, but that was instinct. Mm-hmm. That was just their instinct. They was, run so fast. They just know, like, if predator's coming, I'm going to find thick grass, go mm-hmm. into it, and hide, mm-hmm. and curl up into a ball, until, and they won't, they'll think I'm a rock. They'll they're think I'm smart. Some, they're, that, that's very cool yeah. that they thought that. So we had our first escapees. Um, he came back. We both we got both of them back in. Yeah. But I had I grabbed one because this is where they turn into dumb birds. Mm-hmm. He tried to ram himself through a hole in the fencing and got himself stuck. It's very easy to grab from that point, so I ripped him out and threw him back in, into the run. But the other one ran off, and and Kay caught him later. But um, I was very impressed with that, but also not. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the idea of Guinea fell smart. Mm. No, they are. I'm, I'm, we just possibly haven't I'm trained on, them I'm on to the, the degree that. that you can train them. But that's our first, we had our first escapees. They're still great though. They're doing really, really good. Every time an airplane flies by. They run all of them. They squawk the and, and the, the chickens listen to every sound that they make. It's amazing. Uh, what's great is that we saw hawks circling our property today. And the girls were so nervous that they stopped what they were doing, put on their boots, ran out to, per- to stand there and guard the chickens. Five That's hawks. Sweet. There's yeah. five of them. There was, I guess there was roadkill uh, down the street. Well. But it was. It was an opportune time because our chickens to, were out we thought they were. We, we thought that they were there for fast food. Yeah. Well, they could have been. They could have been. Yeah, actually, they could have been. So 
what we wanted to talk about briefly tonight was the idea, um, kind of our topic for the week, what we've been thinking about a lot this week and talking to one another about was the idea of kind of vision casting, talking about the difference between, and the verse keeps coming up, the basically the verse about how, you know, man definitely makes his plans. Uh, that's just the way we are. We make plans. We like control. We like to throw out calendar dates and set goals. But God truly directs our steps. He, He's the one who has ultimate control, even when we really think we do. And how do you kind of how do you marry those two ideas in your mind? You want to have control. You want to make plans. You want to have a vision for what it is that you think that God has for your family and the future, but also understanding and accepting that you're in control of nothing truly. And what do you do with that? What do you do when you have these goals, dreams, vision, whatever you want to call it? And so we've been talking a lot about that lately. And it kind of goes into some of the questions we've been asked lately, which we'll get to shortly. Um, but you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of casting a vision for our adventure here and for our future. And how do we put together our vision with God's? Cause that's what we essentially want is we right. want to do what he wants for us, not just what we want for ourselves. I kind of equate this concept to, um, our dining room. I don't know if we were going to talk about this tonight, but Rachel found an amazing deal on an entire set of dining room furniture. I mean, just really cool, antique, vintage pieces uh, that we were able to get at a cost that um, it just, it still astounds me. But it, it was enough money to where on a homesteading purpose and and how we're envisioning how to be purposeful and intentional with our finances and our blessings uh it was one of those things where we were driving to go get the furniture mm -hmm. and we've been planning on doing this and getting it and everything like that and, and you asked me multiple times is this something we should do and i was like yeah I, I i can't i can't see this not being something that we should do uh and i i i prayed on the way we took two cars down there as I, I was by myself and I'm driving down the street and I'm praying on the way there going God is this something you really want us to do is this a good use of the resources you have for us is this a good use of the the um the finances that we have are, are we just doing this because we want <laughs> we want to actually sit at a dining room table right and fill this room um so I, I you know I prayed that prayer and and I still felt great about everything. I felt great about it the entire time. I've never felt uh, any apprehension for this. And we got there, we loaded it up, and we actually fit it into the two vehicles. Mm -hmm. And and my truck was essentially throwing up antique furniture from the back. The bed's right. down, the straps are on, everything like that. And we're driving down rocky roads and, and driving this stuff home, one strap holding three pieces of antique furniture, which could go for a lot of money going, we just handed this person a check and, 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 and this is our furniture. And if it falls off the back, that's money we lost. And I go, I was like, God, 
you know, thank you for these blessings. Um, is this really what you have us entail and, and, and let me know and everything like that. And we drove this stuff home. Mm-hmm. We made it, it. Honestly, I still think about it going. That's pretty amazing that we got all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, for the price we got the way we got it in the yeah. two trips. And you know what? We didn't, there was zero issue with it. Yeah. We had a neighbor come help us unload it. It was all so perfect that when you prayerfully enter into something that as silly as as silly as dining room furniture (laughs) um but you think about lord is this the most uh or is this the proper use of your resources for what what we need and and as a family and you you know obtain it and you drive it home as risky as that was without an issue yeah. And you get home and you load it in and you look at your, your furniture and you look at it sitting there going, yeah, that's exactly like it, it happened exactly as it should have. Yeah. And that to me was confirmation that when you prayerfully enter into those types of decisions right. for, it could have been a small purchase. It could have been a large purchase, but this is for us. I feel it was a medium ish purchase. Yeah. But I want to make every purchase intentional, so I pray for it. Yeah. And as you pray for it, everything works out even better than you expect. Well, and yeah, and every and it, choice we make. So yeah. that goes into kind of the things we're planning for the future. For everything. And, and so it makes me want to pray more over everything right. just to make sure. And right. and you will get those answers in route. Like, that, yeah. like you know, it's just... Like coming home, no one's tailgating me because I'm driving 30 miles an hour on a 50, right. 50 uh, mile per hour speed limit. You know, those, those, yeah. th- you start thinking of those things like, I don't feel pressure here. I don't feel yeah. nervous. I don't feel anxiety. I don't feel yeah. any of these things because this is the right decision. Mm-hmm. And that's how I want to feel in, for, in life in general. And yeah. I'm sorry I took you on that tangent, but no, that's just I kind of what it, it felt as, as we're going in. And I feel that way about, um, I want to do that for everything. I want yeah. to do that for for hitting up the farmer's market. I want to do that. I just want to make sure that everything that I'm doing is is got the intent of I'm asking if, if this is the right yeah. way to do things. Yeah, because it's easy, especially with a, a venture like this that could yield so many different outcomes, especially if we kind of take the reins and direct it, which is easy, especially for personalities like ourselves where we have ideas and we, you know, want to be involved in entrepreneurship and things like that. It becomes really easy to take the reins and go, all right, this is where I'm going to steer the ship. This is what we're going to do. This could turn into a business. This could turn into business. Look at what we could do with this. And uh, it's really easy to take essentially the wheel and go, all right, this is where we're going to direct this and then pray about it after we've made that decision rather and that was, than, and that's exactly, that's exactly the point I was trying to make. Yeah. Exactly. Rather than pray first, decide later, especially with people that like ourselves who want to, you know, we have big ideas and it, so many of the things we could do seem fun and interesting and exciting rather than jumping into those and kind of mapping out the next 10 years with what we're excited about and what's 
uh, looks like a fun business venture or looks like something we're interested in, just slow down and ask the Lord what his will is for the visions we have. Because he, I believe, puts ideas in our minds and desires in our hearts. So, And how I, different did you envision this homestead being before we got here than what it is now? It's different than what it's it is now. Right? And it's only been six weeks or eight weeks. I don't, I mean, it's totally different than what I thought. And my ideas are already shifting to, I think I'm becoming less of, this is what I'm going to try and make it and more, oh my gosh, if my ideas have changed this fast in six or eight weeks, they're going to continue to. I need to just sit back and wait for what God has because making decisions at this point, and I might feel like this in five years, making big decisions, I just need to slow down and allow God to direct the, the path rather than me try in my will to... Now, I, I don't, and I don't think that that means not setting goals and not being driven to complete tasks and enjoy the process of doing new things, trying new adventures. But I think that sometimes we, we trade out our enthusiasm and we can really go full board into things without, I know I have, without considering, is this really what God wants for me or is this what I want for myself right now? And with something like a farm or homesteading, your family's on the line too. So if I say yes to three different, you know, a farmer's market and then I'm going to get involved in this and this and this, I have to say no to something else. So I think we have to be like you like very much like how something as silly as buying dining room furniture could seem to someone. Or it's, it seemed that way to us. Yeah. Like w- when we were living in Long Beach. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have prayed over a purchase. Would you? <sighs> I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have sought counsel on any of that. I don't know. I I think God's brought us to a point right now where it's very clear. It's being made more clear to us that every gift that he gives us is a blessing. It's not, we can't take it for granted. Right. And I think it was easier before to be too busy to recognize the extreme blessings and surroundings that we had here. I think we've been granted more peace and quiet to kind of come face to face with just the ultimate I don't know how to explain it where there's more room to think and be surrounded by God's graciousness and blessing in your life. There's more room to really ponder 
the extreme privileges that he's given us. And that goes for people everywhere. I, I think that the way we were living previously was just simply too loud. There was too much noise and that can sometimes crowd out our ability to be ultimately thankful and grateful. And for me, it, it made it difficult for me to be cognizant of my responsibility for what God's given me. Yeah. You know, there's a big responsibility for everything we've been given. But here I feel like I have a bit more space and time to acknowledge it and sit with that and, and therefore be even more careful with what we've been given. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And, and I'll I'll try and add a different perspective. My perspective of it is, we sat down today and, and we're, it's not like we don't have the exact same things we had in California in, in opportunities as far as satisfying needs. Um, you looked at me today. Do you need anything from Amazon? Uh, in California, I had a million things I could have. And, and in Virginia, I have a million things I could purchase from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, bless you, Amazon. Um, and your delivery and prime, Mm -hmm. I will never get rid of prime. Um, but the ideas quickly change in the sense of when you ask, do you need anything? Um, my needs in the sense of what I needed, what I thought I needed have changed. Um, the best example I have is, uh, Raid. <laughs> this was a funny example, but I've actually thought about it a lot this Spraying, week. Spraying, because we have wasps everywhere. Yeah. We have wasp nests everywhere. And hay barn. On the patio. Our, our sawdust bin, chicken coop. There's there's wasp nests everywhere. Yep. And lots of bugs. Lots of bugs underneath over Underneath the, the deck. Yeah. Underneath the patio. I mean, mm-hmm. they're everywhere. Yeah. And we have them fly in our house all the time. And uh, destroying those little guys is nothing I would love more mm-hmm. because they scare me. But have I ever had a wasp, wasp sting me? No. no. And they're everywhere. Have they, you? No. Have no. the children? No. And they fly by your head and, and they, they scare you right to death. And the next thing you want to do is fine. just, where is the nest? There's the nest. I want to zap it with, I, w- I don't want just the raid. I want the... 30 foot spraying so I can stay as far away as possible foam up action where it creates a cocoon of poison around these guys <laughs> to destroy total destruction their home and uh, I said I need a million cans of this because I'm just going to be zapping these guys nonstop for the rest of my life right um, to that point where let's order that on Amazon yeah. We have it in the it's cart. We're ready bucks. to go. It's 25 bucks, three cans. It's ready to go. Is three cans enough? I'm like, no, double it. Put <laughs> it down. I'm double down on those guys uh, to the point of going. You start listening to people that have lived in this in this environment. Mm-hmm. Like, I, would, I bring up his name as like Joel Salatin's going, that's nature. Yeah. Nature is nature. You know, rats are fine. Yeah. 
don't get cats to kill the rats because the rats feed the foxes and the, mm -hmm. the foxes are full. They won't come after your chickens. Yeah. Huh. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, well, do I really need to kill the wasps? What are they doing to hurt me? Nothing other than I'm scared. Or I just don't want to look at them. Uh, do I really need to walk around spraying poison all over my house and by my chickens? Yeah. Because what if they eat a, a wasp by spray and it hurts them or kills them or, yeah. and, I, and then I'm, I have all this. And so he starts thinking this, those crazy thoughts where I'm, I then, do we need to spend 25, do we need to spend all this money dollars this, of our money yeah, when, when I could just, spent when else. I could just be a little bit more manly. There's no price on that. <laughs> I could be a little bit more manly, take a broom and just swat the nest away Yeah, and run like a coward. <laughs> um, or, or spray him with a hose and run like a coward yeah. or whatever it may take. Mm -hmm. So we took that out of the cart going, Sean, man up. Yeah. And you know what Sean manning up costs? Nothing yeah. other than my pride. Yeah. Um, but those are the things that in a different life I see in, in, in our house in California – I see a wasp nest. I'm going to blast that guy. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it goes back to something we were talking about over dinner this week, which was convenience. And I think that it was easier to, uh, the option for convenience was easier where we were living before, at least it was for me. Um, you know, everything can be delivered immediately. I can have whatever lunch I want within five minutes of my house. I can get anything I need from any store immediately. And here you just can't. It's not as quick. Things are not as readily available. And when that's taken off the table, then you begin to think of things in a different light. And I know that that could make some people uncomfortable, but it's actually been a blessing for us because when convenience is gone, you begin to think intentionally about things and that's important. And when you begin to think about things intentionally, what starts small, like with raid kind of bleeds into everything. And, and then you're able to, when, when you're in a kind of the, when you're in a lifestyle of convenience, there's no need to, everything feeds that convenience and you're not forced to think about things in a more long-term methodical way. And it all goes back to, um, you know, everything has to be given importance. And when you have the time and you can't be, nothing is, you know, I can't run to the store and get something in five minutes because I want it right the second when you have to sit with that idea, then it causes you to think about it. And that's a really wonderful blessing that I could not have anticipated moving here. You know, one of the first things people asked when we were moving here was, well, how far away are you from town? And when we would tell people, well, I mean, it'll take like 20, 25 minutes to get to this place. You know, people were just, oh man, you know, oh, it's going to take you 30 minutes to get to a and we a felt target, we felt that you know? way when we got here. Of course. But it's so funny too because what that told me before we moved was, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? I'm not going to be able to go immediately to the place and and feed my need for whatever it is the second I want something. But what it's ultimately showed me is that 
I had a need for convenience. And when you have a need for convenience or you rely on that convenience for whatever that is, fast food, uh, shopping, I mean, it can be for anything. You, it takes thinking off the table. It takes intention off the table. It takes uh, prayerfully considering things off the table. And yeah, it also takes off the ease of getting to drive through your favorite restaurant, you know, fast food restaurant or, oh my gosh, I need this really, really quick for homeschooling. I got, I just can run a target. It takes that off the table and that can sometimes be a, a bummer. But in the end, it forces you to usually live within your means because you work with what you have, but it makes you think about things beforehand. And that all kind of ties into what we're talking about with, with vision, you know, we make our plans and we want certain things to be certain ways. Uh, but God really is in control of them. And when you kind of release that need for control, and I think the convenience is control, we feel comfortable with convenience because we know we can count on certain things. When you remove that convenience, you allow God to work in different ways. You allow him to provide for your needs in unexpected ways that might not be there if convenience was readily available. So that's been a hidden blessing, uh, for, for us. So, um, I'm not sure. I hope that that makes sense to people, but that's kind of what you and I are working through here. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think that's the takeaway. We, we can plan all we want, but in the end, pray, pray and open your hands and your mind to just God, maybe showing you a different way than what you might plan for. I'm talking to all of you type A planners out there. And that's not me. (laughs) That's That's not me. me. It's not me. But um, yeah, that's vital. I think it's funny right now that we're podcasting and Sean and I are swatting away bugs right now. I mean, there's multiple bugs on the table. (laughs) In our kitchen. If you don't like bugs, don't move to the south. Um, All right. So real quick, we're going to run through a couple Q and questions uh, that real readers quick, okay. real, real, real quick. Oof. We get tons of Q and A, or we we want to do a Q and A segment. We get tons of questions every week, so let's just do rapid fire questions okay. that we've been getting from people, and you can answer real quick. Lay it on me. All right, a uh, couple people have asked full time farmer. Do you want to be a full time farmer? Oh, I don't know if we can. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later. But, okay. Um, do I want to be? Uh, Short you, answer. You asked me two months ago. Yes. You ask me now. No. Not yet. I'm not ready for it yet. All right. So the most important part, I'll, I'll, I'll dig, I'll, I'll go into okay. what we're going to touch on okay. another time. But real quick, um, do I want to be a full-time farmer? I don't know yet. It's when you get here and you think about it, yes, that's why. That's what I want to do. When you get here, don't let go of the dreams that you've had prior to being on a homestead opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because we, you and I have had dreams that we've had for a very long time Mm -hmm. and those opportunities still exist even though we live here. Yeah. Uh, The most important about important thing about homesteading is take care of your family first. Mm -hmm. You, you satisfy that, that part of your family first, you're able to grow vegetables, meats, whatever that is that you choose to do on your homestead, take care of your family first. And you look at the excess part of it. That's what you can sell. If you can grow more of that and you can sell more of that, then you can, 
you can reap the income from that. Or if one of your dreams is to not even sell that, but is to give it away or, or give to it donate away, yeah. or to yeah. provide for your community. Whatever, whatever you're, you're able to be blessed with, that's yeah. what you should, you should look at doing it. Uh, as far as being a full-time farmer, um, I look right now, I've, my perspective has changed completely into the sense of take care of the family first. Okay. And then from there, we'll see what happens. All right. Next question. Are you lonely moving to a state where you know nobody? Quick answer from you. Uh, yeah. It's lonely. Yeah. It's lonely when you lose uh, connection with... Constant those, connection. Constant connection. Face-to-face. Well, yeah, the face-to-face. Yeah. I, I think uh, we're, we're in good contact with friends. I, with I, I feel like I'm, I'm in good contact with, with the friends um, that... I was in contact with before, but it's not the same face to face. So lonely. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely lonely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You? Yeah. Um, I think lonely is a hard word. I don't know if lonely is the right word because I'm not lonely. I'm with my children and you yeah, every I'm day. Not I think, yeah, I think lonely is a different. hard word. Yeah. It's more, um, I'm heart sick for my friends. I miss my friends, but I also talk with them every day. So I think that, that's it. Lonely is just a hard word. I don't know if lonely is the right word. I think, I don't know if lonely is the right word. There's moments of loneliness. There's moments of loneliness, but no, Definitely. I'm not lonely. No, not lonely. Um, do I feel like I'm missing out on things? Yeah. I feel like I miss my friends. Yeah. Sometimes. I feel like I'm missing yeah, out on things. Of course. Yeah. I think um, that that would be hard to say I didn't. I don't, I don't think yeah, that you could I do think that. If, if I could take uh, the community that we had and bring it out here, would that complete everything? probably yeah probably (laughs) okay i have had this question probably more than any question do you regret moving out here yes or no not in the slightest not one not one ounce of regret no not one i have not thought it once i think um as i drive every morning to work and i'm and i'm driving through the countryside i pray more for those that don't get to experience what we experienced to have that have this and it's not about it honestly Folks, it's not about living here. It's not about country. It's not about anything. It's about fulfillment. It's about um, uh, seeking what God wants you to have and and answering the call. That, to me, is uh, the most important thing that I've experienced. Right. So it, it leads me. It's just wanting that same it, feeling for everybody. Everyone else, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have zero, and, and, and for us, this was answering a call, yeah. so do I have regret? No, because it was honestly, it was listening to to the Holy Spirit saying something and starting us on this journey, Yeah, and, and you felt it, I felt it, you heard it, I heard it different times, but we, we embarked on this journey together because we came to a moment together, Yes, and no, zero regrets. No, there's none. I love it here. I, I don't think there's, I can't, I couldn't, I, if, if, if I sat here for, for an hour by myself and pondered regrets, there'd be zero. No, I can't imagine being anywhere else. I love it here. Yeah. I love it here too. It's home. Um, okay. So, uh, I just want to remind you guys of a few things. You can check us out on Instagram at the urban format. We post lots of fun things there in our stories, kind of like our adventures and pictures and videos and fun stuff like that. You can also check us out on our, um, our website, which is urbanfarmet.com. We're hoping to update that with some really cool stuff soon. Like um, things like we talked about the show notes and tonight will yeah. be more 
post a little more like more more robust. in depth more in depth <laughs> robust it'll definitely be more robust what's in bust <laughs> i don't know i'm so tired <laughs> it will be more robust uh but give us time we're we're two we're working old on yeah. farmers and we're exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and tonight you can find things we discussed uh, in our show notes, the books and whatnot and we mentioned. Because there's, They're upcoming. there's a lot of different things that we we talked about. We, we've been talking about this episode a lot before we actually started recording. There's yeah. a lot of things that we talked about that didn't get discussed here right. that we would uh, add to yeah. Show notes given more time. I yeah, think there's definitely. more time and, and more thought. And there's other topics in our lives that are going on that are part of our homestead that we want to yeah. share with you right. guys. You just right. can't get to all of it. We can't, get to, every, we can't get to everything in the So this we're going to try so. and work on that soon. Um, and then, of course, we would love it if you headed over to. Headed? If you head, head over. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Headed soccer. I'm tired. Now you're talking my language. I know. If you head over to iTunes and leave a review so that more people can find our podcast and uh, join this awesome, awesome community of amazing people who listen and comment on our IG and kind of help us as we go through this journey. We would love it if you left a review. Tell us what you like and what can be better. We would totally appreciate it. Yeah, we're always learning. So yes. if we're doing something drastically wrong, <laughs> Please Don't tell us. Be silent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is that it for this week? Yeah, I'm good. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.